welcome to today's session. We are on session number three in our series, Living in the Power of the Love of God. Living in the Power of the Love of God. And as you can see in our banner, we are on the third session, which is the power to hate deception. Last week, we started the hate section of the series. The first topic was about loving people. We said, if we are going to be followers of God, we must love like God and hate like God. And uh, we started last week with one of the things that the Bible says God hates, which is pride. And I would like to encourage you to listen to that message again. I think I listened to it a few times myself. And I really want to thank God for what he revealed to us, especially as it has to do with our relationships with one another, with, as brethren, as couples, as uh, people in, uh, in, 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 uh, with our neighbors, and so on. How pride can be a problem. I would encourage you to listen to it again and share it and, and continue to do so. But today we want to look at the third thing, uh, which is the second that the Bible talks about where we are reading about what God hates. And uh, this is where we are having our session on the power to hate deception today. Our anchor scripture is Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Let's have that up and let's read it again. Everything we are doing in this series starts from what God said through Apostle Paul in this scripture. Let's go together. Let's read. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Say the love of God has been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to me. So you have capacity on your inside to love because the Holy Spirit did not just come to be a teacher, to be a guide. Part of what he does is that he makes the love of God walk from your inside to the outside. So every one of us must consistently remember this. Your trying to love in the flesh will avail to nothing. You need the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God himself, who is love, to make you walk in love. And what this series is opening our eyes to see is that loving is not just loving God, which is the first commandment, is not just about the second commandment, which is like unto it, which is like loving people. It is also about hating what God hates. Last week we explained how we are companions with God, compatriots with God. We are companions with him because we love one another. We love him. He loves us. He loves us. We love him. That's the sequence. And then we are compatriots with him because we love what he loves. He loves people. We also love people. But we are also comrades with God because we hate what he hates. We hate what he hates. And Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 tells us, that there are six things that he hates, seven that are an abomination unto him. And we're dealing with those seven things in this series. Let's go together. Verse 16. Let's read. These things, these six things, let's go. The Lord hates. Verse 16, yeah, let's go together now. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Now let's read verse 17. He begins to list them. A proud look. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one 
who sows discord among brethren. Let's go back to verse 17. We'll be dealing with everything over the next five weeks. But let's quickly look at verse 17. A proud look, which we did last week. And then what? A lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. This is our focus today. The hatred of God on a lying tongue, or what we will call a deceptive person, is is key. The Bible says, after pride, what God hates to see is a lying tongue, a deceptive person. This is why we must also develop, with that power of the love of God that is at work in us, we must also develop the capacity to hate lying and hate deception. And this is very, very important if we are going to be a people who will continue to demonstrate our love for God and the power of the love of God that is at work in us. When we talk about deception, we are talking about a a process of dealing with others through intentional motive of distortion. It is not a careless thing. It is a careful, calculated attempt to distort the truth to present a matter in the way that it is not. This is what deception is all about. It is simply the act of deceiving someone. A lying tongue is one that speaks falsehood knowingly and willingly. They have that pure intention to deceive. They want the person to believe what they want them to believe rather than what is supposed to be believed. It is intentional. Lying can be used to call to question the character of a person. And it can also be used to flatter a friend. God hates it. God hates every misrepresentation of truth. Whether the truth of the sonship of his only begotten son or any other truth whatsoever. It is a most detestable evil to God. Because God is the God of truth. In fact, when Jesus came, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the truth, God the Father, except by me. This is why our sanctification in Christ gives us that status to deal with God in truth. And so every one of us must continuously hate the spirit of lies because everything we do that is akin to lies and deception makes us resemble the devil because he is the father of lies. Jesus talked about the devil in John chapter 8 verse 42. Jesus said to them, if you, if God were your father, you would love me for I proceeded, verse 42, I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Then John 8, 43 now. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. And I read John 8, 44 now. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. He is out of the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks. Somebody say when he speaks. He speaks a lie. Say he speaks a lie. 
Say he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar. And the father of it. He is a liar and the father of lies. I've told you many times. You worry yourself if the devil came to you in your dream and he called your name. You worry yourself because he has no capacity to speak the truth. So if I saw the devil in, in bold or he walks into my room or he comes into my dream and he said, David, I will start laughing because he's lying already. He's not calling me. <laughs> you understand where I'm coming from? He has no capacity for truth. The Bible says there is no truth in him. So when you worry that he's calling your name or he's doing things, what you are doing is that you are abrogating truth to him that he has no capacity to bear. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Did Jesus respond to him? He said, for it is written. For it is written. Did Jesus respond to him? Because the moment he said it, it makes it a lie. <laughs> the moment it came out of his mouth, it becomes a lie. There is no way it can be truth. Even if he was speaking the word of God, he has no capacity. Look at what Jesus said. Do we have that verse up, please? John 8, 44. He said, because there is no truth in him, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So God hates deception because the arch enemy of God is the devil. So anyone who walks in lies and walks in deception is not co-laboring with God. They are co-laboring with the devil. May God not make us co-laborers with the devil. In the name of Jesus. God so hate deception because, you see, the fall of man was as a result of believing the lie of the devil. Until today, God is still concerned and mindful about men believing the lies of the devil. In Genesis chapter 3, we know the story. The serpent came into the garden and spoke to the woman, Eve, and said to her, Has God said that you should not eat of the trees of the garden? And she said, no, that there is a particular tree we should not eat, and so on. Then he said for the, Eve said to him, because the day we eat of it or touch of it, that we shall die. Then let's read from verse 4 and remind ourselves what the lie, the first lie that the devil said to, the, to, the, uh, to, 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 to man. Let's read together. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. God said you will die. The serpent came and said you will not surely die. Every time we yield to the voice of the enemy, which is simple to know, anything contrary to the word of God that you hear in your body, that you hear in your mind, that you hear. This is why you must listen to conversations. Even listen to prayer points before you say amen. Listen very well. Some prayer points with all good intentions. The devil can quicken and chip in one line like that. That is not scripture. <laughs> and I'm meaning this in a very loving way, not castigating anybody. Even me, when I'm praying, I'm listening to myself. That's why those of you that will hear me, that have known for years, that when I'm praying at times, I pray and correct myself in the prayer. Maybe you have not picked it up. Me, I know many times. <laughs> because as I release the word, I think. Scripture, right? No. Change it. <laughs> because it may sound good in English, it may be looking like what should be said, but if that is not scripture, don't say it. Because that anything that is not the truth is a lie. Hallelujah. 
So let's be very careful and cautious about this. He said, this is it, verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God and knowing good and evil. And of course, the woman began to think. The Bible says when she saw that it was good for food, it was good looking, good for food, and it was also able to make one wise. She took of it and ate of it and gave to her husband who also ate and then their eyes were opened. That was the fall of man as we know it. But the reality of it is this. Obadiah chapter 3, verse 8, chapter Obadiah 3, part A. We're not turning to it. The Bible says, because it's one of my favorite, my wife's favorite passage of scripture. I actually knew that scripture much more through her. She quotes it a lot. He said, because of the pride of your heart, you are being deceived. Last week we dealt a lot with pride. The way he got the woman, the first woman, is the way he's still making people fall for lies and making people lie till today. The spirit of pride, like we dealt with last week, is the foundation, is the root of every lie. The reason we lie is simply because there is a pride. Either the pride of life or the pride of the the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh. There is a pride fundamental to it. The Bible says after the devil told him, told her what God has said they should not do, the devil quoted it, appealed to her pride. He said it will make you wise. It will make you know between good and evil. And the woman believed that lie. And that became the fall of man. Because she, he managed to get her, to, to, he managed to get through to her own pride. Every one of us must understand that if we are going to deal with the deceptive spirit and the spirit of lying, we must be people who are dealing squarely with pride all the time. The reason why people lie, why would somebody lie to their employer, for example, about why they were not at work or why they came late? Why would they lie? Because they don't want to be scolded. So they want to give an excuse that should excuse, that should kind of excuse the, 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 the reprimand. You get my point? I woke up late is the truth. He said, when I woke up, I hate traffic and I hate a delay. There was no delay, no. But because the traffic is an excuse that an employer or somebody superior can sympathize with, it makes them escape the reprimand of the man but incur the wrath of God. They escape the reprimand of man because man can sympathize with delay in traffic. Anybody can be delayed in traffic. But God who weighs all hearts understands that the truth that should have been said is I am sorry I woke up very late. And the worst the man can say is well, you lose some money or whatever it is or don't do that again or whatever depending on your kind of contract. Some jobs, you, they will deduct your money like that. <laughs> Some others, they will just say, well, don't do so next time. That's why you should keep pressing into that kind of job, where they just be telling you, don't do so next time. <laughs> Hallelujah. May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. But celebrate where you are. I'm only saying this. Why will a father lie to his son or to his child? Why will a child lie to the father? Why will a, a husband lie to the wife? He doesn't want to be told that I'm warning you about that woman. You keep going there, counseling. Are you the only man that can counsel her? 
So, because he has said he went there, he told the truth on Monday. He went there again on Wednesday. He doesn't want to say so that he doesn't hear that, be careful. He now say, I went to brother Ephraim. <laughs> he will just call one brother to escape something that maybe, I mean, maybe there's nothing, but at the same time, it could be that that thing he's trying to escape is something God is trying, could be using to put a safeguard. I want us to understand why we need to hate lies. It is a robber of destiny. It prevents people from becoming who God wants them to be. Because the moment you cannot be a person of truth, you shortchange your relationship with God. You make it difficult for God to relate with you. God cannot function outside truth. His word is yea and amen. The Bible says Jesus came and he said to them in Matthew 5, 37, he said, when you speak, let your yes be what? And your no be what? He said, for whatever is more than this is what? From the, you are seeing it on the screen. Is what? From the, is from the evil one. When yes is not yes, and no is not no. Don't try to qualify it. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to say it's a white lie. There is nothing like a white lie. Those are part of the devices of the devil himself to keep people lying and lying and lying. <laughs> so people have lied about their age so much that they get confused. When they say, how old are you? They say, I am uh, actually... <laughs> he has to calculate. He has to calculate who he's speaking to because he needs to remember what he told them last. Because this one, he said, I'm 35. That one, he said, I'm 30. So every time, he has to keep going around. Depending on who is asking the question. <laughs> How old are you? Say, I, I, wait, I am, uh, actually, I'm 35 years old. <laughs> if you have one age, you don't need to think. <laughs> if you have only one age, when they ask you your age, you say it. Hallelujah. There are some people on social media, you don't know the real birthday because March, they were they turned 40. And then the other profile said that they are they are 32. <laughs> so I used to find the average and then just wish them happy birthday. <laughs> I find the average of their age and wish them when I like. <laughs> they say it's not my birthday. I say I know what I'm doing, don't worry. <laughs> because I decided to go between <laughs> 30 and 35. Gave you 32. <laughs> <laughs> average and average month I give you. You say, ah, so it's not my birthday today. I say, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Happy birthday, all the same. Thank God you are still alive. <laughs> Let your yes be yes and your no be no. It makes life simple. We read, Pastor Moses led us very powerfully in the Bible reading today from Second Kings chapter 5. From verse 9 to 27, we read in our Bible reading, for those of you that may not have caught on with that, read it. You need to read the entire passage, but it helps you. Very simple story. A great servant in Syria, it's a great general in Syria, was leprous. And he had a servant who was of the Hebrew descent who came to, her, to him and said, there is a prophet in Israel that can save you. And uh, of course, they called for Elijah, Elisha. And Elisha came, and there's a bit of a narrative in between all that, but that's not my emphasis today. The miracle was done. He went and dipped in River Jordan as commanded, and God healed him. 
Someone say, God healed him. And typical of very rich people and people of influence, they always think they need to do something. So he felt, I should bless you. You can't just do this for me. This is this has been a scourge all my life. I'm just kind of emphasizing it. This is something that I've lived with for so long. Now you've done it for me. Your God has done it, and I'm grateful. Now you take these gifts. And Elisha said, I'm not about gifts at all. That is a very big sign of a true servant of God. Anybody that asks you for gift to pray for you, or to do anything for you. Check it very well. If I don't check anything, it's not of God. Don't check anything. Don't check anything. <laughs> Freely you have received. Uh-huh. That is all you need to remember. Don't check anything again. If you say, I, must, I want to pray for you, but this prayer requires me to collect 500 pounds. Just walk away and say, God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. They are fraudulent. So the real servant of God said, no, it's not about gifts here. This is God healing you. I'm not saying that you should not bless people and do those kind of things, but the reality is that nobody in the truth, nobody genuinely, sincerely called of God is first about money or is even looking for money at all. Never. Check it. Never. The real test of their being called is that they are able to do that which God has called them to do. But here was a training servant called Gehazi, a prospective prophet, Elisha times two, which would have been Elijah times four. Because Elisha was Elijah times two in anointing. Gehazi would have been Elisha times two. He had the potential to be Elisha times two or Elijah times four. Picture it in your mind. But because of greed, he resorted to all manner of lies. This is why we start to read from verse 25. So he organized and he got those gifts that his master had rejected. But let's look at verse 25. He said, now he went in and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, where did you go? Gehazi, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, what? Your servant did not go anywhere. If you read the whole narrative, that is lie number three. He had already lied to the man that his servant sent him. He lied to the two people that he took along that he wanted to collect the gifts. Those ones thought that those gifts were for them. When he reached Citadel, he collected it from them. And then those ones found, ah, this man is not even giving us anything for this, uh, for this deal. <laughs> you can read that in the passage again. But the third time, he lied again. Because lie begets lie. Like I said, if you speak the truth, you have no reason to lie. But if you lie, you have to tell another lie to cover the first lie and tell another lie and another lie. So the man said, where did you go, Gehazi? This was the same lips that asked Elijah, said, man of God, how can I get a double portion of your anointing? And the man said to these same lips that you have asked for a hard thing, but nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taking up, he said it will be your own. And he followed. That same lips that could have blessed Gehazi, that would have transformed Gehazi's life into a, a no small prophet, said, where did you go? He said, I did not go anywhere. He lied. I want us to read verse 26 together, and I want to sound a note of warning on this particular matter. Let's read together, everybody. <clears throat> Then he said to him, 
did my heart not, sorry, let's go again. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Verse 27. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow. Go back to verse 25. God was not intending to make Gehazi a leper. There was nothing to say before this point that God planned to make Gehazi a leper. There was a chance in verse 25 for Gehazi to miss that leprosy. When that question, let's read it together. Now, he went in and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? That is God's opportunity for repentance. That was God's opportunity to escape leprosy. That was God's opportunity to turn around and confess the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. First John 1 9. But if we confess and renounce them, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. You can see the extent of the love of God. Asking a man who knew, Elijah, the, the next verse we read, said, I know what you did, basically. But this question was given a last opportunity for a man to say, I am sorry. I went after what you said we should not have collected. And I lied even to my own servants. I am sorry. I believe, I believe very strongly that was the opportunity of repentance that, God, that Gehazi missed. The Bible says God is patient. He's not willing that anybody should perish. All those pastors and people lying on altars today, where they will tell you that when they went to India, 500,000 people were saved. <laughs> and when, when they are in the country that they are, you can't see one person. God is not deaf. He's, he went with them, if they ever went there at all, he went with them so that there were only 50 people in that gathering that they claimed that there were thousands of people. He went there. So he's only still asking them. So because people ask questions, see, but if God, why is God permitting these things? Why, why did Elisha not just look at Gehazi and say, I know where you are coming from. You wicked servant. You should not have collected. Now get become leprous. He could have said so. But God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. All the messages I preach here, because my wife is usually downstairs, she will listen to everything. If there is any inaccurate information, maybe I forgot a year. As simple as maybe I said it was 2010 and it was something that it was 2008. She would tell me, you missed that point, it was 2008. I've given her that permission to do that. Because I don't want to stand here one day and lightning strike. <laughs> lightning strike because the lies have gone so big. <laughs> the lies have become so much. God said, Kai, enough. <laughs> enough is enough. <laughs> 
We have a responsibility to keep checking ourselves. This tongue, the Bible says you bridle it. If you want to see good days, bridle this tongue. It has a propensity to run itself. Especially as it will suit your flesh. It, there is a way your tongue connects to your flesh. If you are not careful, it will just blow something like that. You say, ah, did I say that? <laughs> if you are not careful, it will just be blowing things as you are going about. You will be like, ah, why am I saying all this, by the way? It's your tongue. Your tongue. And the simple rule is this. If you find that you are finding it difficult, say, Holy Spirit, help me to keep this mouth shut. Whatever is to be said that is not the truth, let this mouth remain shut. He will help you. That is part of the work he does. <laughs> That's part of the work he does in your inside. There was no need to have gone on with the lie. Deception is a seed of the flesh. Every time we sow deception, we reap deception. We may not know this. If you lie to your employer, God help you to employ people one day. You will, you will employ ten liars. <laughs> if you lie to your boss, the day you have people reporting to you, all of them will be a bunch of liars. <laughs> My father of blessed memory, when we were very young, we used to have all kinds of people. We had gardeners, we had some people working domestically in the house. This was in the 70s, 80s of Nigeria. And... Um, if you were kind of had a little thing and you had some kind of jobs, you have a lot of people that work with you as a domestic staff. So we we used to have a a, a gardener called Samuel. Mr. Samuel was a very very short man. I remember I was still a child, was still under ten years old, but I was taller than Mr. Samuel. I will never forget that. He was a very very brief man like that. Mr. Samuel will always come to my dad and ask for permission to go and travel. Almost every three weeks, he will come and say, you know, he has his normal leave time like everybody, but he will just want extra time to travel. So he'll come to my dad and say, I need to go to the village today. Something has happened. My dad will say, what? Say, my uncle died. <sighs> then you let him go. Three weeks later again, he will come and say, ah, now it's my auntie that died. They will let him go. Another time he will come like that. So one day, one day he came to my dad. My dad said, ah, Sam, I've been looking at all the people dying in your family. <laughs> and I have a feeling that you're about the next person to die. <laughs> because at this rate, I don't think you have anybody left. <laughs> See, something is killing all your family members. When you are going now, just pack all your things. Stay in the village so that when you die, <laughs> you don't, we don't need to carry you from here. <laughs> And my dad was saying it, he was joking, but he was saying it with a lot of seriousness. So Sam was saying, ah, Sam. When he noticed that he was about to be sacked, he said, Sam, I'm very sorry, it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> people lie, people lie, people lie. But we don't need to be people who are deceptive. I'll quickly look at Galatians 6, verse 6. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Someone say, God is not mocked. Some translation says, God cannot be mocked. Some say, God cannot be deceived. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. I learned as a kid that if I learn, if I lie to my parents and get away with it, and lie to them and get away with it, I'm sowing seed for my own children to be lying to me. So I did everything I could. The worst you get is a little bit of, uh, you know, that kind of uh, special treatment. <laughs> I can't say it on, on the internet now. <laughs> But we used to get it. That is the worst you get. 
In fact, at times as you are reporting yourself, you are preparing yourself for the for the altar. Because <laughs> nothing will save you from it. Nothing at all. But at times they will they will have mercy because you told the truth. <laughs> but you know, that was the worst with God. Today, I don't, if my son says to me, Dad, I'm going to London, I don't think twice. And they know it. I don't think twice that they will tell me something happened in Manchester or Plymouth and that something, something, and then I'm thinking that maybe they're there. I will not even, it will not cross my mind. Where did they say they are going? Uh, where should I expect them to be? That's me. That is how I was raised. That is how my children are raised. And I want them to understand that it is called integrity. It is called trust. When it is betrayed, it makes relationship hard. I've never traveled anywhere and my wife is thinking, is it really that place he went? Even when we were back in Nigeria, we used to travel a lot by road. Never. You need to understand the place of hating deception. When you sow it, you reap it. For whosoever, verse 7 now, Galatians 6, 7. For who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Galatians 6, 7. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap what? Everlasting life. Stop allowing yourself to sow to the flesh by deception. I will quickly take us through the story of Jacob once again. This man who got a lot of things by trickery, especially the birthright of his brother and the blessing, cheated his brother out of his birthright by giving him what he desperately needed in his flesh. We blame Esau a lot, which is true. Esau compromised, sold his birthright for a morsel of meat and so on, but of bread and so on. But you know something? The reality is that it was all on a platter of trickery. A brother that truly loves and does not want to deceive will say, my brother, you are very hungry. Keep your birthright. I was just checking how deep you are. <laughs> Keep your birthright. You are very hungry. I will get you something to eat. But he quickly gave him that food and collected it. Then when he went for the prayers as well, his mother taught him that he should cover himself with hair like that of um, his brother Esau. And you know how Jacob deceived his father who was dim in the eyes, his father Isaac, and Isaac blessed Jacob in the place of Esau. You know that story very well, but let's quickly take it from Genesis 27. I want to show you the transformation in the life of Jacob from being a deceiver to being a person of integrity. You can see. Let's go. Genesis 27 verse 30. It said, Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from his presence, that Isaac, his father, then Esau, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Go straight to verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, because his father said, Oh, when, why? Have you just come? I've blessed somebody. I've blessed Jacob. He has taken it. Look at what he said. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me. Me also, oh my father. But he said, verse 35. Let's read verse 35 together. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Now, one thing that always baffles my mind about Jacob is that clearly God's hand was upon Jacob for the blessing. That's why we call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob. We never call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. So it was clear that God's hand was upon him. My only challenge was that why will somebody be playing a game of deceit to collect something that was already his? It shows you that there is impatience and pride and a, an ignorance of the workings of God. My point is this. You don't need ever to cheat anybody or to deceive anybody to get what God is going to rightfully give to you. Don't fall for that trap. They will say if you are not smart. That is not smartness. That is foolishness. Wait for God. Wait for God. In God's due time. When God lifts a man, he does it in such a way that even that person lifted will know. Unless he's a fool. If that person lifted himself will know that this lifting is not the hand of man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jacob did not need to go in deceit. Then verse 36, and Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Put this man in pain. Put this man in a lot of pain. Deceit puts people in pain. It suffers. There's somebody somewhere that suffers it. Somehow. All those people in some countries like that, where they will just put one zero at the end or two zeros at the end of a contract figure and change the words. And it moves from 100 to 10 billion. You know those kind of countries? I don't want to mention any country, but you know. Then they tell them that you do the contract, but everything else outside all those zeros there for me. There are people that will die because of that water supply project not being done correctly. There are people who will lose, there are people who have died on some of those roads that people have been spending money to build their own houses because of deceit, cheating government treasury. Somebody suffers. That is why God hates it. Because if a person dies because of the deception of another human being, God hates it. God hates it. God hates it. When a person doesn't have a proper qualification and they say they have, and people die because they are giving responsibility, or people suffer the consequence because they are giving that responsibility, God hates it. God hates it. Societies that are advancing have a fundamental rule of truth and integrity underpinning their systems. They expect you to be honest. In 21 years that I've been in this country, very soon 22, hardly has anybody asked to see my certificate. Now, I know that jobs are different. That jobs are different. When I was coming here as a, as a PhD student in the year 2000, I only wrote that I had MSc in Structural Engineering, BSc Civil, MSc Structures. It was two years later I was asking. Nobody has ever asked me to send a copy. I don't know what they do now. Maybe people have shown them that. Ah. <laughs> that time, nobody will ask you. Nobody will ask you. They just want to know, do you have this? You say yes. The job I'm doing today, I did the interviews around September, October. Very long process. Four interviews because it's a senior management position. 
in the university I now work. Nobody to today has asked me to say that qualification you say you had. Let's see the evidence. The only thing I was asked to show is my passport. Because that is by law. You have to show your passport that you can work in the country so that if you need to be sponsored, you can be sponsored. Truth, integrity, then we keep wondering why the, the countries are advancing. They expect you to speak the truth. Check a marriage that is strong. When the truth is their language, their common language, they will be strong. They will be strong. But where is somebody has to be checking somebody's phone, somebody's uh, notebook, somebody's uh, briefcase, he's, uh, looking in the mirror, this one is having a shower, he's thinking, he's in the, ah! <laughs> what? How do you live like that? How do you live like that? They're calling each other. One said, I travel. I'm enjoying that conference. Now, say, put yourself on video. He said, ah, no, my, my, my phone is very bad. <laughs> put yourself on video. I want to see your room. Ah, no, 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 ma. My room, the video is very bad. No, no, no. It is strain, stress, unnecessary. Everybody must understand what Jacob did showed that he did not understand the workings of God. This is why when he went to serve with Laban, look at what happened to him. <laughs> Genesis chapter 31, verse 38. Genesis 31, 38. Now, Jacob himself now fell into the hand of a master <laughs> and the grandfather of uh, supplanters. <laughs> you say you supplant, I will show you what it is. <laughs> you say, yeah, I'm a chief supplanter. I used to train them. <laughs> That is who labor was. <laughs> Look at this. Look at Jacob's words. Jacob, who was very smart and sharp and could beat anybody. Look at his words. He said, these 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes, your female goats have not miscarried their young. I have not eaten the rams of your flock. I have dealt with you very well, basically. Look at verse 41. He said, thus I have been in your house 20 years. He only went there and was told he would be there for seven years. Only seven years, turned to 20 years. Look at, he now started to say how the 20 years came about. I served you 14 years for your two daughters. He was looking for only one daughter. Chiefs of planters, he take two. <laughs> take two. <laughs> and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages how many times? How many batteries did he steal? Uh, you see, tenfold. <laughs> he stole one battery, <laughs> not ten. <laughs> God showed him what, <laughs> what the seed of lies can do. Ten times, they will say, this is what you are earning. At the end of the month, have you seen that kind of employer? At the end of the month, pay sleep is not adding up. <laughs> you call them again, what is happening? They say, ah, that is how it is here. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. So you have changed it this ten times. <laughs> now look at Jacob. A man who has not been humbled by his own actions. Look at verse 42, verse 42. Genesis 31, 42. He said, unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away, what? After 20 years, you would have almost sent me away empty-handed. He said, God has seen my affliction. Hey, you now know what is affliction. <laughs> and the labor of my hands, I rebuked you last night. This is why everyone must understand that we don't need to sow a seed of deceit in whatever we do. Those of us that do business, 
with people. Let integrity be your watchword. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. If you can do it, say you can. If you can't do it, say I can't do it. If you can do it in a particular time, they say they want it. In my line of business, everybody wants the, the thing tomorrow. Every, every client that comes to you will want it tomorrow. Probably <laughs> can testify of that. They come to you, oh, we've got this thing to do. When do you need it, if possible, tomorrow? <laughs> no, you tell them, this cannot be ready for three weeks. Take it or take it or leave it. Your employer, your boss says to you, oh, this thing has to be done now. You want to impress. Don't say that you have to do it. Say, no, I can't do it this way. I will try my best, but it cannot be done the way you want it at the time you want it. This is what we can do. Be real. Be real. Everyone must understand it is better to be real and to suffer the consequence of speaking the truth than to tell a lie only to be discovered. There's no point. So after Jacob encountered uh, God and God changed his name to Israel and everything and he now had met with Esau, his brother, in Genesis 32, Jacob became a very changed person. And then at the point where he was to bless his own grandsons, look at Jacob, the same Jacob, Jacob, Genesis, Jacob, Genesis chapter 48, verse 17. Joseph was now prime minister in Egypt. We know the story. Jacob had now come with his, the brothers of Joseph. And here was Manasseh and Ephraim, who were children of Joseph. Manasseh was the eldest. Ephraim was younger, just like Esau and Jacob. Again, just the same arrangement. God had his hand and plans for Ephraim as the heir and the one to be blessed rather than Manasseh who is the eldest. Now, it doesn't mean God hates as in God has something against. It's just in his own wisdom how he does things. Now, look at what happened. Joseph now brought them because the right hand was to go on the eldest one who was to receive the blessing of the elder. So Joseph put Manasseh in his left hand, pushed him towards the right hand of Jacob, put Ephraim in his right hand, pushed him towards the left hand of Jacob, so that when Jacob put his left and right hands on them, the right would be on Manasseh, and the left would have been on Ephraim. And then Jacob crossed his hand, put his right hand, without saying anything, put his right hand, in the presence of Joseph, put his right hand on Ephraim, and his left on Manasseh. Now verse 17, Genesis 48, 17. Now when Joseph saw, thank you, that his father had laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. He did not understand what was happening. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head, verse 18. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. Let's read what verse, uh, Jacob said in verse 19. Everybody, let's go. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he shall also be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. Verse 20, verse 20. Let's go. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. The old Jacob would have done a lot of drama. He would have sent Joseph out. He would have told Manasseh, uh, Ephraim to come in first. He would have done some trickery. 
But having gone through all those processes of life, he learned that let your yes be yes and your no be no. He was a changed man. Right in the presence of his son Joseph, who was a very powerful man then, he showed him that this is the will of God. You speak the truth in the will of God in power. It gives you the authority not to sell out to the devil. Be a person who has every intention to be truthful at all times. The spirit of lying and deception will never be able to overwhelm you in the mighty name of Jesus. So, we must not deal deceptively with one another. One of our core values as a church, in fact, our last core value is to trust in God and to trust one another as a people under God. Trust is such a vital part of any relationship. So we don't trust in one another. The Bible says, cursed is the man who puts his trust in man. So I don't put my trust in you. You don't put your trust in me. There are two different things. We all put our trust in God, but at the same time, we trust one another as a people under God. I trust your words when you speak to me that this is what happened about a particular incident or about a particular meeting or about a particular issue. When you say to me, this is what happened, I don't want to think twice. I don't want to think twice. If I say to you, I don't take anything since this church started, that I've never taken any dime to myself from everything. I don't want you to think, is it true? Is it not true? Brother Joel, let us see that thing. <laughs> Let's be sure. That car is using, are you sure? <laughs> no. We've got to be able to trust each other like that. And of course, I'm saying this because, not because I'm not saying if you want to check anything, you can't check. But I want us to maintain the highest level of trust and integrity. My wife would just tell me, I'm going out. Okay, where are you going? I've got this thing to do, this to do, and I'll be shopping. That's all. I even thank God I'm not forced to come along because I hate shopping. I don't know about you, but I hate shopping. When I go into a shop, I just go straight to the aisle of what I want to pick up. I pick it. Whether the price is half price or I just pick it, I'm gone. I don't know how people do it and they can stay there just moving about, checking something. I don't do it. So, thank God for that. When I saw online shopping, I said, God bless whoever created this thing. <laughs> I hate walking about in shops. I don't know why. Now, I'm not saying it's bad, but the reality is that I don't check where she's going. I'm not just looking and saying, is she there or is she not there? We need to understand that walking in integrity is not something we should negotiate in our relationships. We must not deal deceptively with our spouses. We must not deal deceptively with our brethren. Sadly, today in the body of Christ, there are people when, when they say something, people check. People check. They are Christians. They are, people agree that they are born again, but somehow they have a reputation. A reputation for either exaggerating or not saying it exactly as it is. For what purpose? I don't know. I don't know. I asked somebody, I won't, look, I won't look anywhere so you don't think I'm talking to you. I said, why were you not in the meeting? He says, ah, I overslept. I wanted to tell him that you are not supposed to have been sleeping that time. But I said, but that is truth. You overslept. What if he said to me that he had something else to do? Will I be happy with that? And I did not know that he's not telling the truth or she's not telling the truth. Friends, let us be honest. I'm not saying the person should sleep next time, but then... <laughs> 
But let us, let us understand that it's so important. Truth is always respected. Governing authorities expect us to speak the truth, to do the things correctly. We save our society a lot of money when law doesn't have to be enforced. If we simply obey the law, it will reduce how much we are paying to maintain enforcers of law. Have you thought about that? If they say, don't park in this place, and truly everybody works in that thing, there is no need. The employment given to somebody who has to give you a ticket to be paid to do that, they will find another work for them. It will not be that kind of work. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and we don't have to pay more council tax to enforce that law. If we simply obey and simply walk in truth, we will spare ourselves a lot of agony. Business associates need to have our word. People generally will listen to us when they know that our word is always with integrity. This is why we must hate deception. We cannot be people who are preaching for people to be saved and come to the Lord and be liars at the same time. It skews the message. It skews the message. When people know us in a particular life or style of life, and then we stand and present in a, in a different other way, it skews the message. Integrity means all in together as one. The way you present, the way you are, is one. May God make us people of integrity. In the name of Jesus. As I start to close this, let's remember that the Bible says we can deceive ourselves also. That's the worst form of deception. A great servant of God I used to follow, the Australian businessman, very elderly now. God bless his life. Peter J. Daniels. Followed him a lot in the 90s and early 2000s. He used to say that the worst thing a person can do to themselves is to lie to themselves. That Christians hardly would lie to other people. They wouldn't want to. But somehow they find it easy to lie to themselves. And it's scriptural. James 1, 22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving. James 1, 22. Deceiving yourselves. When we don't practicalize the word that we say we are hearing and we are not doing it, we are only hearers, we will be deceiving ourselves. May God not let us deceive ourselves. In the name of Jesus. He said, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in natural mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Verse 25. Let's read verse 25 together. Verse 25. James 1, 25, everybody now. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If God say love, love well. He said you cannot be ashamed of me before men and expect me to defend you before my father in heaven. You know, I always laugh when I see people who come to me and say, Brother Dave, you know, you bless me so much. In fact, you are my mentor. <laughs> I say, really? He say, yes. I look at your life. This, you do this, and that, and that. Say, every time you preach, my head. And then I go and look at social media. I can't find them identifying with my message in public. So I ask myself, who do you think you are deceiving? <laughs> Is it me you are deceiving on yourself? 
If, we, if the message is so blessing you, the way you say you are shaking, like you are shaking to me now, you will be out there propagating the word. You get what I'm saying? People who were radical about Jesus Christ were not like Nicodemus who was going in the night. We have too many Nicodemuses in our time. If I show you my inbox of people who would say, that's your message, this your message, this your this. But you can't see them in the open. For whatever reason, I don't know. <laughs> you will not see them in the open. That is deceit. Deceit. Let us not live like that. Let us be open with what we believe. Be open about your love for God. There is no human being on this earth that does not know that I love my wife. Nobody. Not in 30 years that we have met. I'm open about it. I'm open about it. It is also a security blanket. You don't know? You don't know? It's security. There's anyone that wants to think otherwise, you say, that man is crazy. He's, that woman has given him something to eat. <laughs> Let's rise to our feet. <laughs> Be open about what you believe. The Lord Jesus, he is your Lord. As we partake of his flesh and of his body. Today.